The Spike Week community has submitted a ton of great questions. First ever Spike Week best ball mailbag episode. We're going to dive into some player takes, 2023 strategy, some macro best ball strategy, and maybe some off the wall food, beverage, life takes. We're getting into all of that here on the first ever Spike Week best ball mailbag. Let's do it. I wanted the extended cut of the intro and just, I just wanted to jam out for like two minutes. That's, that's what I was looking for, but as, next time. as, as would be the uh, case with just about any spike week stream, my dogs are jamming out. Apparently they heard the, <laughs> uh, the music and we just went for a walk and they're supposed to be tired. We've gone done two walks. It's hot as hell outside. And they're like running laughs. My wife's over here yelling at them to shut, to shut up, but a, a pretty fitting intro to, uh, an episode yeah. where we're just going to kind of talk about uh, some different things, random new things, a little bit of love of real life, but of course, tons of, of best ball. Um, a lot they're of just, people, they're just asking you if you want to play. They're like, it's I, questions. I have questions. It's, do you want to play dad? They have lots, they have lots of questions every time <laughs> we go, as you, as you guys can see here behind me, but I'll let, uh, as they calm down, I'll let uh, Rob kind of intro us. Yeah, so we are going to do a mailbag. As Eric said, we're going to be talking about football. People want to know about backfields. People want to know about quarterbacks. People want to know what kind of snacks we like on Sundays, our top five. So maybe we'll get into a little bit of that. What is a normal day working at Spike Week? That is another question that was asked. So we're going to get into what our normal day is, which is as you heard the dogs chaos, it is actually complete chaos for us all day. Believe it or Always. not, we don't just sit on our ass here doing nothing. We sit on our ass and do a lot of things. So <laughs> that's that's what goes on at Spike Week. But we'll get into all of it today. We will definitely get into all that. Thank you guys for joining. But we have a lot of questions. And even though I have a, an earthquake going on behind me, let's just start to dive right in. If you are not in the Discord, these are the kinds of things, submitting these kinds of questions all happens in the Discord. There's a link in the description for you to join. It's 100% free. I will also plug really quickly before we get in. We're getting into the heart of best ball season, and the Spike Week premium tools are, are starting to become a must. I've seen tons of other people say it, so it's not just me. But I also feel like, particularly when I'm drafting, on the phone doesn't feel as good anymore after using our draft hacker overlays for so many drafts and it helping guide my decision making. I feel a little, uh, you know, misguided, a little naked while I'm doing drafts when I don't have the draft hacker. And then today I started actually, I'm at a, a little smidge of a pause, if you will, uh, on drafting. Not anything crazy. I'm kind of always drafting, but I'm, I went pretty hard at the the two poodles and the puppy two not anything like super i haven't maxed the puppy two or anything but i fired a bunch Are of teams and, was, and i was yeah right exactly <laughs> uh but i was kind of experimenting with some different structures and strategies and everything because we have a long summer ahead and using our draft iq tool to kind of 
analyze those teams and the portfolio of teams and look at my structures in a specific tournament, my player exposures in a specific tournament, my player combinations, right? So um, people are sick of me talking about, say, Damian Harris, but he's my highest exposed player. And diving in in a tournament, say, oh, you drafted 50% Damian Harris in this tournament. Well, what do those Damian Harris teams look like? And then, okay, what do my Damian Harris teams with, you know, AJ Brown look like? Do I have any of those? And so um, we're definitely getting to the point where I think um, the Spike League tools are valuable at all times. But right now, as we really approach kind of the heart of best ball season, both the draft hacker overlays and draft IQ are like, they're driving a ton of what I do. And I think a lot of people do uh, that are subscribed. So again, also there's a link to that in the discord only can, blur yes we are you live can, you can find you can easily find your dead stuff on digs team stuff on digs teams <laughs> as well so congratulations you got your stuff on digs and josh allen stacks uh i hope you put <laughs> deontay hardy on that team or something at the end yeah that's that's an interesting situation to monitor i mean i don't think it's going to be anything but no. it is stuff on digs and he he's got he's got a personality so yeah he is. He seems to be an interesting fella. Let's just. I will leave I like it about at that. A lot. I love. A, I love a good personality. Um, I can, mm -hmm. obviously can't speak to exactly how good these human beings are, but uh, Stefan Diggs is certainly an interesting personality and doesn't make football less interesting. Yeah. <laughs> let's just say. Let's just That's say true. that. But like I said, lots of questions. So how to kind of. I'm not going to read them all in order. I am going to kind of bounce around because uh, I want to kind of bounce between, you know, like some very serious best ball talk and maybe some more fun, casual, light, lighthearted talk. So I'm going to kind of bounce around, but I am going to try to hit every single one of the questions that you guys put into the live streams and media channel in discord. If you're here watching and you want to pop something in there, pop it in the discord. I'm gonna, I, it'll be a little bit easier for me to manage it if it's all in there. But we'll kind of just start going. I'll answer. Rob and I will both try to answer pretty much every question. And uh, we'll kind of go back and forth on, say, who is uh, answering first. The first one, we'll start with a little bit of a, of a, a more lighthearted one. I don't know if you were a Pokemon guy back in the day. <laughs> But there was actually a pretty funny conversation this morning uh, that somehow broke out. Uh, apparently, best ball sickos are also Pokemon and Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And I, I, I didn't follow all of all of that stuff. But Kyle Pitts, our, our buddy B. Kurt, asked about, about Kyle Pitts. And uh, he has been a, clearly a hot-button player in best ball for multiple years now and, frankly, probably still is again this year. But we got to lead in with something a little bit more fun. I don't, again, I don't know if you have a Pokemon expertise, but B. Kurt asks, who is Kyle Pitt's Pokemon doppelganger? And so I'll answer it first, okay. unless, you, unless you have something locked and loaded. Oh, I just, I, I didn't know. I knew there was a Pokemon question. I didn't know what it was. But as I heard this one, there was one name that came to mind. But let's hear yours. Let's see if we have the same, the same idea. Here. So I, I tried not to like read and think too much about all of them because i wanted it to be kind of on the on the mm -hmm. spot as we did this but this was definitely one i absolutely went back and googled and looked at like a list of all the of all the pokemon and to me the uh, pokemon that stuck out is charmander and okay. so for people familiar with with pokemon you know uh, they evolve right to higher levels and eventually a charmander can become a charizard and kyle pitts has been a Charmander that everyone keeps hoping is going to evolve into this, you know, flame throwing dragon cheat code tight end, right? He's a, he's a wide receiver, 
that we get to draft as a tight end. That's a fucking Charizard, right? That is a unstoppable creature, fire breathing creature that dominates the best ball landscape. The problem is Kyle Pitts has now entering his third season, not evolved into shit. He is still a Charmander that is not helping you win any fights in best ball. Um, you're probably losing to all the other more evolved Pokemon. So I thought he was a, a Charmander. That's a good answer. Um, the one that popped to my mind is he's a Snorlax because <laughs> he needs to wake the hell up. What are you doing, Kyle Pitts? For all the reasons you just said, we need you to start scoring points. Wake up on the field. Start doing something. Producing the way you're supposed to produce. You're a Snorlax, Kyle Pitts. I hope you hear this. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Please, Kyle Pitts, like and subscribe to uh, the video and, and channel. Next, next question, and I'll let you answer this one first is from KRS0123 says, and you don't have to like specifically, this is, this would take us probably the rest of the episode if we really like detailed it out. But he asked, what does the perfect BBM4 team look like round by round for you? Um, so just kind of like a, if you had your druthers and you could set out to draft a BBM team in the way you want, right? Structurally, maybe a player here or there that fits. How would your perfect BBM4 team come together? Well, it would be some value falling in the second. So I'd like to start with a wide receiver, probably Jamar Chase um, would be for me. Justin Jefferson's right there as well. I mean, either or. I just like Jamar Chase's upside in a single game a l- slightly more. I like his week 17 correlation. So give me Chase, give me, we'll say Devonta Smith, Patrick Mahomes, and we'll build on from there. We'll keep hitting wide receiver. We'll probably get an elite tight end and maybe mix in some value at running back in that J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison until he ju- jumps all the way up range and <laughs> and uh, play it out that way. You know, probably structurally it would be a two for BBM two probably a two seven seven two build, to be perfectly honest. That's that's pretty much what I was going to say. Um, I think there's a lot of I think last year it very easily for me probably would have been like two, seven, seven, two, two, six, eight, two elite quarterback, elite tight end, yeah. you know, a uh, handful of superstar wide receivers. I do think this year is pretty, is, is kind of tough to define like what is perfection because of you, know, we've beat this horse to death with, with the wide receiver pricing and some of the running backs that you can get, uh, you know, then the two, three turn, even um, like a fifth round JK Dobbins feels kind of crazy to me. I'm, I've been drafting him a ton, but I think generally speaking, the elite, the elite tight ends are something that is, has become a lot more of a priority for me when I thought coming into the season, that may not actually be true um, mm-hmm. because we've discussed a lot how bad uh, tight end is as a whole, but the more you think about it, with tight end being so bad, they're only being a handful of guys that can truly separate right in any given week. Um, and I, I really like those guys in an 18 round drafts, what they can do for your structure is so important. If you want to dip into those elite quarterbacks, even though they're very expensive, they allow you to do that, which, so what I know, I don't want to get, I know I don't want to get locked out a wide receiver. So if I really want the elite tight end and I might want the elite quarterback, and I only want to take two of those positions, Somebody has to get kicked down the road a little bit, and that's kind of running back. And so I'm very flexible about where I dip my toes in into running back. And that's not to say you can't draft, you know, that I really love Tony Pollard. I love Nick Chubb. But I think if I'm drafting the perfect team, it might actually forego those guys to get another superstar wide receiver so I can have Andrews or Kittle or Pitts or, or someone like that 
And then I'm going to dip into Dobbins, right? Um, I really like Cam Akers. We used to like Madison. I think he's probably going to get priced out of my my uh, budget, if you will. But then the Damien Harris's and Antonio Gibson's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You guys get it. Uh, so I think we're pretty much on the same page with that one. I've been changing my tune on elite tight end, and I think there's some questions later that might address that. But I've been coming around to a different mindset for that particular position. Um, here's another one that is, uh, not necessarily in terms of, uh, like how do you draft your, your perfect team, but how do you address, uh, this certain position and certain backfields that are very, very murky for this 2023 draft season straight out of user straight out of asks basically when there's a triple backfield is what he would call it. He used the Miami Dolphins and the Mm -hmm. Chicago Bears as the two examples, which of course, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the Dolphins have Devin A-Chain and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And quite frankly, we don't know how the heck that's going to break out. Is one of them going to be the the one and the other guys are backups? Is it a total three-way split? Chicago being the other one with Khalil Herbert, Donta Foreman, and Roshan Johnson. We don't really know what's going on there. So he basically asks... How are you kind of playing into those backfields? He says, I've been just taking the cheapest guy a lot, which of course I think makes sense, but that doesn't necessarily mean just because he's the cheapest, he's actually the best bet of them all. So how are you playing into these kind of like triple headed backfields? So I usually pick two of the three that I'm comfortable drafting and I generally fade the third. This isn't, sometimes it's a case by case basis. But I like the guy that I think they want to establish. So, like, for example, the Bears, my mindset is they want to really know what they have in Khalil Herbert. He's going to get every opportunity to be not a featured back, not a bell cow back, but to be, if there's 60 to 70% of touches going to one guy in Chicago, I believe they're going to try to make that guy Khalil Herbert, right? It, It just feels like they need to know what they have out of him. And then... What's the upside case? It's Roshan Johnson, right? So, like, he's he's cheaper. I can grab Roshan Johnson. Do I hate Dante Foreman? No. Is he on the team for a reason? Probably. But the higher upside guy is, in my opinion, Roshan Johnson. So then we go over to Miami, and who are the two that I want? I think that the coaching staff likes Jeff Wilson Jr. more than they like Raheem Mostert to do what they do. I think we kind of saw that last year a little bit. Not that Mostert had a bad year or anything like that. And I think A-Chain is a guy that they are very excited to have. So it's Wilson, it's A-Chain for me. And unfortunately, I'm just not touching Mostert as much because of that. And I've heard conflicting arguments for this too. I totally understand. Like they think that people think that A-Chain parallels more to Jeff Wilson. So it gives Mostert a better chance. So it's, it's how you define the backfield i don't like throwing darts at all three i like picking two of the three personally but i know everybody's different but that that's how i play these backfields that's super interesting actually i don't think i've heard any a lot of the times people will do like what straight out of says and say well if i don't know i want to spend the least on it but and i think that that's also totally reasonable Mm -hmm. just as what you said kind of eliminating the guy i think is for whatever reason right could be the lowest probability bet in terms of getting the most work could be the lowest upside guy out of all three of them, et cetera. And picking one and throwing them to the side and just saying, look, if it's that guy, you know, so be it. I lose on that backfield, but that's okay. Cause you don't always, 
it's not a guarantee that you lose, right? Like guys get hurt. Things change over the course of the season. You could be wrong week one and right in week 17 and things can play out in funny ways. Um, I am a little bit more of kind of spray and pray if you will, but I do prefer to try to identify kind of like what you said, who is the, the truly the, the highest upside bet. If what do we win when we win, right? If mm-hmm. this guy does kind of take over this backfield, what does that look like? So we kind of know that with Raheem Mostert and it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. There's like, I want that guy at his cost, right? If we, if we have last year's Raheem Mostert when he was getting the majority of the work, but I think Devin A. Chain, of course is much more expensive, but is, was probably brought in because Mostert isn't quite what McDaniel, you know, Mostert, old Mostert, old fastest player in the NFL. Mostert was like this exciting guy in this McDaniel slash Shanahan offense. And I think my, my kind of bet is that Mostert is a bigger version of a chain, but like not as good uh, or, or as explosive anymore as a chain. So I view him kind of as the highest upside guy. And then I view Jeff Wilson as kind of what you He's the cheapest. Plus I, I think that he's the, guy that kind of does that what the other two don't and so I, I will lean into those two a little bit more but i'll also sprinkle in some moster because i'm willing to admit like i just i i don't know i don't think anyone right. knows and i think that can be not i'm not saying you specifically but i think if someone comes in and they say i know this is not raheem moster i think you're I, I think you're fooling yourself you know you're telling yourself a story that's not really true the bears are even more difficult <laughs> like mm-hmm. i mean I don't have the slightest idea. Like not if, if you, if you said week one, Dante Foreman gets the first carry, would I be surprised? Not not even in the least and gets 20 carries and and Roshan doesn't play. I I would not be surprised. And so um, I'm leaning a little bit more into Herbert, as you mentioned, because I think he's the highest upside bet and Foreman because he's the cheapest. And I don't think he's really much different than Roshan. But again, Roshan is kind of like the most dirt to me. Uh, in that in that group where I'm not going to take zero of that guy. I just might end up underweight on him. But I think to your original point, these are the kind of situations that like there is no right answer. Like and, and frankly, if, if if anyone tells you they think they have the right answer, I think that they're full of shit. And so it's in, like you can listen to us or listen to many other smart people, but it's also up to you to say to take in the information maybe from other people or do your own research and and identify a, a strategy for you. I think it goes way much like people will try to identify the player take. And I think that's a little bit of a fool's errand. If you take a step back and try to figure it out like Rob did, Rob says, I only got 150 bullets in this tournament. I got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. I can't draft every single player if I'm trying to win. Right. So he's like, I'm going to eliminate one of them. That's that could be the that could be the right strategy for you. Or you could be like me. You kind of identify those two, but then you sprinkle in the other one. Maybe that's right for you. You have to identify what's what what is right for you. And I think that's the fun part about best ball is we all get to identify that strategy. So I'm glad you asked this question, because I think these these situations are so are like they're impossible, not just hard. They're like absolutely impossible because the team doesn't know the the bears don't know right now. Like okay. Roshan could just be the best guy in camp. We don't know. The Bears yep. don't know. The Bears don't know. So um, I think I think, but that's the important thing to understand is like, if no one knows, including the team, don't pretend like you also know, but figure out a strategy that works for you. Yeah, and I just like to concentrate my bets a little more, right? So like, and I understand that I'm different in that aspect than other people. You look at my exposures; they're way different than a lot of other people that stream. 
it some of them get a little out of line some don't it's just where do you want to place your bets sometimes and for me it's concentrating it and i understand there's different ways to do it next right. question I'm, I'm trying to make sure i get these up on uh, so that everybody can see them it's a it's a little bit easier from kid prosper he asks, and i'll answer this one first what percentage of your drafts are early middle and late meaning at time of the off season of the the summer so uh, early being okay early early being yeah uh uh i actually don't know what my uh, percentage of you know uh early draft slots first it, uh, just like everyone it sure as shit feels like i get the 108 every yeah. draft uh, yeah. like every yeah. fucking time every fucking like, spike week draft has been like 108 or worse <laughs> I, want, the, I would prefer just give me the 112 so i don't feel this pressure of like like look i'm at the turn i'm just gonna take whoever the hell i want you keep giving me the 108 and i'm like okay if i want to get different i gotta pass on aj brown you know and do i reach for like you know yeah i hate it just give me the top five dude i just want all the top five things that's all i want but i never get them uh gonna end up getting buried by you know the the only four like truly truly elite wide receivers this year or Travis Kelsey, but in terms of he's asking, how are you structuring, you know, your portfolio of how many were you draft? Let's call now still early, but here pretty like probably here in a week or two, we'll the transitions to the middle and then late being, you know, during the preseason and leading up into week into week one. And for me, actually, I've thought about this a lot and my tune has changed a good amount but it's probably not for the reasons people think. So I have been actually a proponent of what a lot of people have probably heard is the barbell strategy um, that I even kind of like wrote about a couple of different years ago where you draft, let's call it, you know, for easy math, 50% of your teams very early and then 50% of your teams very late because there are, while tons of added risk by drafting super early, there's tons of upside into drafting super early getting crazy ADP values, getting lucky, you know, getting the Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson situation, getting this current Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison situation, et cetera, et cetera. And you can build some teams that you will just never be able to get that level of upside um, later in drafts. But then late, we have an information advantage. And a lot of times we have a, a skill advantage. You know, the casuals come in. There's no badges in your underdog rooms. The DraftKings guys are taking Russell Gage in the second round. You know, like it's, it's crazy. The difference is that when we first initially thought about this barbell idea, it was, there was like one tournament, Best Ball Mania. Yeah. That was yeah. it. So you were only, you're strategizing 100% around this one tournament and it was open the whole summer and all of that. Now we have poodles that fill in 36 hours. We have puppies that fill in a couple of weeks or less. We have such a different blend of things that I'm kind of drafting my portfolio just straight through the entire summer. And also because I'm, I'm a, I'm a human. We only we have, have so much to. time. Cause we well, have to. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, and we'll get, we'll get to the, the question of whoever asked about like real life and, and, and how do we have time to do everything, but that's it. I, I can't just like take multiple weeks off of drafting. Cause I'm never going to get the amount of drafts I want in. Um, but if I had infinite time, I would do, let's call it 30, 20, 50 or something like that. Like if it were, if it were totally up to me, I'd kind of back weight it. But it would be um, fairly evenly sp spaced out. But in B, like again, in BBM specifically, my strategy might be a little different than just like my whole. Right, if I'm going to draft a thousand teams this summer, 
the thousand teams might be split up evenly, but like BBM might be different, you know, than the puppies, et cetera. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think for us too, like I was just saying, we, we have to be drafting constantly because we are talking about this almost every day. We're researching it every day. So I can't be a fraud in the sense that like I'm telling you <laughs> yeah. what to do in best ball and then not drafting teams. You know what I mean? Like I would just feel like such a freaking fraud if I was doing that and to each their own. If there are people that do that, then whatever, like that's, that's your bag, man. Do it, do what you want to do, but I need to see what's going on. I need to be in the draft. So I'm drafting throughout the year, but I think I would still be drafting throughout the year because the NFL has been evolving in the way that teams are constructed lately. We have a lot of trades throughout the year. Now we have guys getting released like yeah. in the middle of the of the year after the draft, look at DeAndre Hopkins. We don't know what's going on with some of these guys that are holding out, like Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. I mean, they're probably staying on the team, but that's not 100%. So that's changing your ADP and the teams that you construct can construct throughout the year. So a team that you can draft on, you know, June 13th in 2023 might help give you some sort of winning, win, winning construction Versus a team that you can draft in the middle of August because you were able yep. to get specific value on a certain player that fell, right? The Madison thing or whatever, like the and player combos that even if you don't get like major value, right? There's just yep. times, it, there's only pockets of time where certain players end up lining up, right? Someone moves up, someone moves down. Right. And different things, things just shift over the summer, right? We've already seen it. Look at the Madison thing, as you, as you said, as you said, so it's a perfect point. Yeah. So that's, um, so I think even without doing shows and stuff, I'd still be drafting. Now, would I like to backload some of it? Yeah. I think your, your percentages were perfect, but yeah, I mean, otherwise I'm just drafting throughout the year, man. We have to, it's, it's just, it is what it is. I do think, like I said, uh, my percentages have probably changed even from last year to this year because this whole space has just fucking exploded and uh, some people were mentioning it in the discord earlier today uh, they were posting like some dk draft boards and they're saying you know like look at some what some of these guys are doing you know like what somebody posted they, they were drafting against someone who took grant calcaterra in the fifth round you know and like random things like that that you see on DraftKings. and but the point being if that's happening on DraftKings in june Imagine what the late August DraftKings are going to look like when all when you know when everybody starts piling in, and so just the evolution of the industry has slightly tweaked that. But um, another thing for each person to to decide, right? There is no if you want to wait, draft one hundred percent of your teams in August, dude, go for it. The competition's easier then, and you have more information, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. Next question, this is a good one. Where do these players land? All the most notable free agents. DeAndre Hopkins, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook. And he, he kind of adds, you know, where do you think they land and like where would they benefit the most? Just kind of a general assessment of each player. Well, the benefit the most right now would be DeAndre Hopkins going to Buffalo with, with everything that's going on there, right? I I think I have a really really bad feeling that Hopkins is coming here to New England and I don't understand it because I know he hated Bill O'Brien at one point but it could be a benefit to him for already knowing the offense and they were successful together you know all the normal talking points I don't want it personally but I have a I have a weird freaking feeling he's coming to New England Zeke 
I don't know, man. Zeke feels like a charger to me. Zeke feels like he is going to be is exactly what they're looking for to to lighten Eckler's load, which is some of these like short short yardage carries, these end zone dives. Kareem Hunt, I don't think is going to be on a team. The more and more I think about this, I've been thinking about these running backs a lot lately, and I don't think he's going to be on a team for net. We might get really upset, and he might end up in Cleveland. I just think oh, they like no. having Don't say two that. cracks <laughs> that they like. Um, I think one of them might end up in Cleveland. So I'll say four nets going to Cleveland. And Dalvin Cook actually feels like, like, you know how there's that dark horse team that comes out and grabs guys sometimes that you heard nothing about? Feels like he might go to the Cowboys. That feels like a Jerry Ooh. Jones. That oh, feels like God. a Jerry Jones pick. I hate it. Trust me, my rosters hate it too. But Dalvin Cook to the Cowboys feels very Jerry Jones to me. So um, that would hurt. That would, that would, and also it would really hurt. Uh, Like if all those things happened, we just nuked all of the early running backs, like besides Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, literally. Um, So it would be a funny, it would be really interesting to see it'd be it'd be i guess it'd probably be net good for me but i would have a lot of teams that i would hate now for pollard chubb eckler etc but it would be funny to see how the market would react if that happened if all these free agent veterans end up on the running backs who look really good right now chubb pollard could be jacobs right if jacobs is hasn't signed his tag. Saquon hasn't yeah. signed his tag. Could happen to them. It could happen to Ramondre. They just let James Robinson go. Maybe they say, ah, James Robinson wasn't the guy, but we do want a veteran. Next thing you know, Lenny is back, you know, is uh, back he there. Feels like a patriot too. Yeah. <laughs> There's just I think this this is the biggest, you know, these I, I I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know, but these are like the bombshells that are left to shake up all of this entire summer of, of best ball drafting. Some of them may not even happen. They may happen. Like you said, hunt may not sign uh, multiple of these guys may not sign and they may wait for an injury in camp or in, in season, they could wait and be like, you know, uh, but I mean, look at Latavius Murray last year gets cut. And then uh, all the Broncos backs get hurt and or traded. And he, he's just like, okay, I'll go sign and be the lead back <laughs> for the, for the Broncos. Like, Stuff like that happens, so these guys could wait that out. I don't really think any of these guys are are in the search in for you know looking for a big money besides Nuke. I'm talking about the running backs specifically, but there's a lot of situations that look really really good for running backs right now, and we got a lot of veteran backs that are going to get a job at some point, and mm-hmm. uh, it could easily be on on those. I agree, Zeke Chargers for sure for me. I, I, Hunt is the one I have no. I honest to God have no idea. Um, uh, I like the Dalvin to the Cowboys call. I was going to throw another dark horse that if, so everybody kept talking about the DeAndre Hopkins to the chiefs mm-hmm. thing. And obviously that, that can make, that can make sense theoretically, but they don't have any money. But if they were, if they were to just like free up a couple of bucks and say, like we get to camp and they're like, McKinnon's getting kind of old. You know, we don't like CEH anymore. If they just said, eh, Dalvin, we'll clear up two, what about a million or two million 
for you mm-hmm. or whatever. And they say Dalvin is Dalvin is the one guy that's still good out of this out of this whole group. Relatively speaking, he's not a star. But I think like a really good team might even in a situation where they have backs that we don't think that they need one could swoop in and say, you know, we, we didn't think that we uh, <laughs> we didn't think that we were going to look for a running back. But we also didn't know that Dalvin Cook was just going to be available for a million bucks or something like that. So right. um uh, Lenny, Lenny is definitely the one that's going to land somewhere that's going to kill somebody because he's going to steal like passing down work and and goal line work. Whereas Zeke, I think, is just going to steal like some really low value touches. Whereas Lenny might steal high value touches. My take on on Nuke was uh, Patriots or he or he does go to the Titans. The Titans feel like that team that can't that everyone else in the entire planet sees like, dude, your your team is not good. Just let's let's build for next year. Right. Let's maybe they could get in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes or the Drake May sweepstakes or the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes. But they just Vrabel doesn't have it in him to like punt off a season. And Nuke is not going to get the money he wants anywhere else. And they just say, I don't know, Tannehill, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks. Maybe we can win. And they go after him. I just have this weird feeling um, that the Titans do it. But I think it's it's probably going to be one of the, the less desirable teams for Nuke. So RIP to everybody that started drafting him in the. <laughs> Third round or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be brutal. It's gonna be brutal. And some of these running backs correlate to my Rashad Penny point, right? Like, if I I think Rashad Penny's getting cut, and people are like, "Well, he's just gonna sign elsewhere." Like, do you see who's available? I mean, like, do you think teams are taking Rashad Penny over these guys? Like, James Robinson's probably dust now because I wouldn't sign Robinson over these other guys, right? So, if the Patriots uh, cut him because he. It, like they, they said like fitness and he's just his injury. Like he just has never recovered from his injury. Like his, his career's yeah. over. Like his, yeah. it's just over done. for James Robinson. Done. It's unfortunate, but it's done. Yeah. It was a great story. His rookie season. I mean, shout out to him, but uh, it's how it goes. It's how it goes. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. Uh, I should have had it typed up, but Ro- Rochi Rosai Roach R O C I four says, what are your expectations and or hopes for like usable weeks, spike weeks, just general contribution to your best ball team and best ball lineup from your late round guys. And does it vary by position? And I'll let you go first. Well, we were actually having this conversation last night, right? Like me and me and B Kurt were while we were drafting and the, the player and God, I hate having to bring them up, but we were talking about like some of the late round wide receivers so like MVS came up, he's 14th, 15th round guy. And everyone's like, I'm never drafting MVS again, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's a 14th round pick, right? 13th, 14th, 15th round pick. The expectations for me on guys that from there on, I mean, it, it varies by position, especially if it's quarterback or tight end, but for a running back or a wide receiver, theoretically, I'm just looking for like two weeks. Give me two or three weeks, one of them being like some sort of spike week, right? That's what I'm looking for from these guys. Because if I drafted a wide receiver heavy team, let's say I started Justin Jefferson, I took T Higgins, right? And then maybe even I did hell, Devonta Smith. I need those guys producing. Like those, I put so much capital in these guys. They need to produce. They need to be on my squad 75% of the time, 70% of the time, something like that, Right. So I'm just looking for some of these late round guys to rotate in and out amongst these other guys that I took towards the top. So like two, two times during the year, maybe three, one spike week. Hell, maybe it's the KJ Osborne situation where it's, 
I think he had like two or three times that he that he hit your your lineup last year. One of them was week fifteen. A monster week fifth. Like he carried yeah. he carried some of my teams through in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so you didn't draft KJ Osborne last year expecting him to hit your lineup 50% of the time. Right? Like, who did? Nobody. And he was a 14th round pick last year. So when when people are sitting there like, oh, I'm not doing this again, it's like, why? He's he's free. He's free and you need two weeks out of him. And, and hell, you might not even need two weeks out of him. You might need one week out of him. So, mm-hmm. so running backs, wide receivers, I mean, running backs can be a little bit different because you're looking for contingent upside value for them yep. to replace, especially if you're doing a zero RB team. Quarterbacks could be a little bit different. You're looking for like maybe four or five weeks, especially if you go an elite quarterback and then maybe like a Sam Howell, like, you know, the weeks that one of your elite quarterbacks is down, you're hoping that they can pick it up a little bit. Tight end, you're trying to, if you're going late round tight end, you're just trying to mix all these guys in and out. So it's like a 33% thing. So it's it's just understanding what you're drafting them for and why you're drafting them. Some, some guys you're drafting with the hopes that they could be a, an everyday starter. But generally, these guys, you're, you're looking at them to hopefully get you two to three usable weeks, in my opinion, from rounds you know, 14 on for sure. Totally, totally agree. And I do think, as you said, and as the question was framed, it's like actually wildly different by position. I think wide receiver is a lot more of, uh, we saw it last year with Pat's Tyquan Thornton. It's like, dude, just give me that guy who spikes at the right time. I, I only, he only like Pat only used Tyquan Thornton score one time. And guess what? Mm-hmm. It won him 2 million. It won him $2 million. Herzig two years ago, or th- how, three years ago, uh, KJ Hamler only used the score one time. He had two catches for like 90 yards and two touchdowns or something like that, but it got him into the finals and that's how he got Alvin Kamara into the, He was the only Alvin Kamara team scores 14 touchdowns in, in week 17 yeah. and the rest is history. Wide receiver is, I do want so, like KJ Osborne was on a good team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with, with potential to score a bunch of points that some of those things are important. I don't just want like the, the Chris Hoke, the, the wind sprinters, Jalen Guyton would be the example of like, even if you had a charger stack, like last year or whatever, like, what is this? Like, even when this guy's on the field, there's absolutely no paths to production. So you, there is some form of like, I want this guy to be good or on a good offense or something, but, uh, running back is hundred percent like what do I what do I get if he hits? Like you could like so I I take some say Gus Edwards or or a player like that later. Um, mm-hmm. But like I think back to like the JD McKissicks and the you know the what does James White do for for this team? It was like those guys were kind of uh, just flawed picks really in general because you can get the elite contingent right. You can get Rashad Pennies, who when Chris Carson goes down are top five running backs in fantasy back there. Now, is it clear always? No, it's not. You know, uh, we still don't know who Madison's backup is or who Cam Akers backup is or Joe Mixon's backup, but the payoff on those guys is so huge that I want to have like what happens in this tiny percentage of the time that it hits. I want it to win me this whole tournament. And then quarterback is, I think where it's maybe a little bit easiest people. uh, And I, I think a lot of people will disagree with this, but I think people take, at quarterback, the wrong archetypes of quarterback guys who, even if they hit, give you nothing back mm. there because they they feel that that player is like you know, 
air quotes safe, right? So the Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't think people think Jimmy's safe anymore, but the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world um, and some of these guys who don't run, maybe aren't in good offenses, aren't like Jimmy G played for the 49ers for a long time and he was never good for fantasy. The dude is on like one of the best offenses in the NFL and never helps you in fantasy ever, but he like has a job. So people feel better about that. And so like, uh, you know, now Mac Jones is that kind of a guy this year, but he just seems under, he's like, if I'm going to take a guy like that, I'm going to take the young, young guy who's kind of been decent for fantasy before, but I would rather take that. Like, give me the howls, give me the Desmond Ritters, give me the guy. Like, do they suck? Maybe could they not help this team at all? Yeah, but Jimmy G doesn't help this team at all, even when he plays. <laughs> like, it, there's you're, there's no scenario in which Jimmy G helps you. I'd rather I'd rather swing a little bit on if I'm and and if you don't if you say I don't want to take that risk on that guy, then just don't don't draft late round quarterbacks, and that's fine. You, that's up to you. Well, it, that, but I, that would depend on your structure, right? Like, not to cut you off, yeah. but it depends yes. on how you're building your team, because I think like Mac Jones, for example is perfect for a late round quarterback. Like I think Absolutely. that is actually the best build with Mac Jones because you can kind of take your shot on Sam Howell. You can be like, all right, I'm doing late round quarterback. I can do Kenny Pickett. I can do Sam Howell. I can do Mac Jones. And it's like kind of a solid three QBs, like in terms of like production, they should get you week in and week out. Now I'm doing Mac Jones with some of my elite QBs, but let's be honest when I do, a Jalen Hurts and I add Mac Jones to that team as my second quarterback. Realistically, what does Mac I mean, what does Mac Jones do for this team? He fills in the bye week and maybe maybe Gains offers a few points teams. here or there. Yep. Right. So like am I doing it still? Yeah, because you kind of some especially on DraftKings when you have 20 rounds, it's like you have to sometimes. Yeah, you're just like well, whatevs, but to your point, yeah, Howell has been Howell specifically has been a guy that I've been drafting with the elite quarterbacks because of what you're saying. Or per, if you don't like how Purdy is back there, or if you prefer Trey Lance, I think I prefer Brock Purdy, which is really funny to say now after the last couple of years, but uh, there's a 49ers quarterback going in the one nineties, take that dude. And like, okay, if Purdy's not healthy, so be it. Like, you know um, I, I, I agree. I like Kenny Pickett. Maybe you want to make that case for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, we've been drafting in the like top six rounds for multiple years. And yes, I trust me, I understand all the flaws, but like, I don't know if Kyler, Kyler could be back week one, Kyler could be back week six. Like that seems fine for me as a, as a late round quarterback. So again, just very positionally dependent. This is a good one for a spike week show. And unsurprisingly from our good friend, Sacrilegious asks, what's your perfect best ball tool to create the biggest edge? And he caveats it with it saying like if you if you had anything you could do but you you don't like know the future right you don't this isn't back to the future you don't have the sports almanac to where you know mm-hmm. what the results are going to be and you can't violate the terms of service right so we can't build a a bot that just drafts our perfect teams for us what would you know this tool that you could create be and clearly this is something that i have thought about because obviously that's what we do here is build build uh best ball tools but mine is um, essentially kind of that bot to draft the, the perfect team for you. But of course, within the terms of service of a, of one of these best ball sites, you know, you can't, that it can't physically draft for you. But the big thing I think that um, everybody would really need from a drafting perspective is, and why things like rankings are so flawed and like 
even just like general player takes are so flawed is because every pick you make in a draft, theoretically, your rankings should change. And who the best pick is, is dependent upon not just what your rankings are and who is available, but who is on your team. And so I would want to have a tool that says I drafted Jamar Chase in the first round, and then I drafted Jalen Waddle in the second round, and then I drafted Ramondre Stevenson in the third round. Now when I get to the fourth round, we get to all those wide receivers. And quite frankly, right now, I'm just maybe spreading out my exposures or trying to set up a stack for later or whatever, but I don't, I don't really know what the optimal pick is based on many different things. I would want something that said, uh, while I'm drafting, I can say, okay, took this guy, took this guy, took this guy. And it's going to adjust my rankings for me and, and kind of guide me to the, the optimal pick along the way. We, of course, have the, the overlays, but those are not guiding, you know, they're not changing your rankings. They're not changing X, Y, Z. They are just saying, okay, here's what your exposure looks like, right? Here's, here's your player combinations. Here's playoff matchups and correlations, which is all really helpful, but it's not. You know, it's not going in and saying, well, now actually you should take J.K. Dobbins over D.J. Moore, right? It's not going in and saying that. And so um, I think that's, you know, and there's going to be people out there that build these kind of things. And frankly, they're going to they're going to violate the terms of service probably. But um, it would be that essentially where something that's helping me. It, the the draft hacker on steroids, you know, the draft hacker is helping to guide you, but it's not, um, you know, adjusting for. Uh, you know, player recommendations based on who you have already drafted and tweaking those things. And that's ultimately what it, what it would be. Cause you could build in your Sims and your projections and all that kind of stuff to tell you kind of which players optimal at each pick. So I don't think it's against the terms and conditions that if I'm going to make a pick and whatever I build doesn't like that pick, it electroshocks me. So I think that, <laughs> I think that's that that's one. my perfect tool where like, because like whatever underdog and DraftKings, you can't, you don't have to feel my kinks that I have over here. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to get electric shocked if I'm about to make the wrong pick so that I make the correct pick. How about that? I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that one. I could, I could use that one, especially after you have a couple cocktails or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get get really galaxy brain. Here's a little bit more fun one that just got posted in the Discord. So I thought I would throw it up there. Do you think Mr. Best Ball Mania 3 champion Pat Corrine can win it all again this year? Best Ball Mania or the Royal Rumble? Ooh, good question. Both. Um, he has a shot at winning Best Ball Mania. He has no shot in hell at winning the Royal Rumble again. I will not <laughs> allow it. I will not allow that travesty to happen on these airwaves again, Pat Corain thinking he can come over here, stale our championship belt, bring it to New York city. Never again. Will Pat Corain win the Royal rumble championship best ball mania. He might win $3 million, but that championship belt is coming home to spike week this year. Uh, okay. And the next, the next one up, we're on uh, some more. We've given lots of, uh, you know, serious, serious takes our boy, Jay Jinx in the chat asks this was maybe my sorry to everyone else you all had good questions but uh this was this was a very very good question and i did spend a i tried not to like i told rob i think before the show i tried not to think too much about it because i didn't want to you know spoil the show but Mm -hmm. this one uh required a little bit of preparation because you do kind of have to think it think it through but he says rank your top five sunday game day foods and the go-to beverage of choice that you pair with them 
Um, I think you just went, so I, I'll, I will go first. Okay. In I, I, I don't have them in a particular order, but I do believe I have a, a, a number one. And okay. so the one that is that definitely is above all else is wings. Wings yeah. are the ultimate, you know, game day food. You're having people over. You, you just get wings. It's a it's kind of a finger food, but it's kind of not. And that will lead into some of my other stuff beyond wings. There's a lot of other amazing foods. I mean, who doesn't love like sometimes you'll order pizza. Who doesn't love ribs and those kinds of things? But that stuff can get a little messy. But for whatever reason, wing the wing messiness is acceptable at group gatherings and, and on game days. But I don't feel comfortable like eating ribs. And like, I don't know. I don't know that they're they're probably less messy than wings. But for whatever reason, wings are the holy grail of the get of the get together. And then after that, it kind of becomes like a finger food off of a bunch of different little kind of casual finger foods, more how I view it as things that I can like munch on or like go back and get a second helping like in the second quarter game's still going on. It's not going to distract from my viewing experience. I'm not making a mess all over myself. And so the first one, this is not a finger food necessarily, but for fall gets to be a little chilly and you make some chili. It's nice and cold outside. You get some nice hot, get some nice hot bowl of chili, spruce it up with whatever toppings you you prefer on there. And then, like I said, like some 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 finger foods. I don't know what it is. I have an, an, a problem. If you put at a group gathering, like some chips and dip out, I don't think it matters what kind of dip it is. I could frankly not like it very much, but I will be back scooping in that motherfucker like every few minutes, you know, chips constantly, French onion dip, buffalo chicken dip, like taco dip, all of that different yeah, stuff. Taco dip's the real. Taco dip's yeah, the move. So, so, so good. Um, and then another finger food that is a little bit messy, but you can make it not too messy that I'm still a child about is nachos. Let mm-hmm. me spruce up some nachos on, on game day, 100%. And then I have to throw in the St. Louis, the St. Louis miracle, and that is toasted ravioli. If you've never been to St. Louis, if you don't know what the fuck a toasted ravioli is, I will just say come out to our uh, disgusting Midwest city and try out the toasted ravioli because it's phenomenal. What's your drink? Oh, uh, so I, I just feel like it has to be a a, a beer on game days because it's very difficult. Like, hey, you're not going to make it through the games if you're pounding whiskeys or whatever your favorite uh liquor of choice is although i am more of a whiskey guy now at my at my age as opposed advanced to a bunch age. of beer uh, yeah very advanced age um but I, I will throw out i like to try out like various like wherever i'm watching the game at whatever's like a local brew for that like kind of specific location like you and i went to the super bowl not to the super bowl but we were at a super bowl party in nashville i want to try out the local nashville uh, or tennessee beers that i would never get a chance to so i also do yeah. that here at home there's tons st louis is a big microbrew place i'm always trying out different beers so it's, it's a beer but i like to kind of uh mix and match as opposed to like i don't have one set drink yeah well i unfortunately cannot drink beer so that is a that is a thing for me not not a not like a problem or anything it's i physically cannot drink beer i get sick <laughs> Like, like my body cannot handle hops for some reason. So no beer for me. So I am a vodka guy. So it's like a vodka lemonade, something like that. Something, oh, yeah. something along those lines if we're doing alcoholic, but I am really just kind of a boring water guy um, for foods. A lot of the same wings is number one. I think wings, cause 
there's so many variations, right? Teriyaki wings, you can go gold fever, you can go buffalo. That's all great. Um, mozzarella sticks is another one for me. The taco dip. Who doesn't love fried cheese? Who the hell yeah. doesn't love fried cheese? I mean, it's Jesus. Amazing. Yeah. We'll go taco dip as well. Nachos is another one. And I'm going to throw a big variable because I do this like twice a year because I can't do it every week, right? Like you can't, I don't want to do that every single week. Occasionally I get, um, I get a bunch of different sushis and I, oh, and I bring okay. them. So I'm, I'm a sushi guy. So on game day, do some sushi, some teriyaki and watch the games. If we were playing family feud, um, you know, the, the, how many answers of each one you would have been the one sushi yeah. you know one everybody sushi. would have guessed everybody would have probably guessed the, the other one the one the one sushi i do apologize i uh i ha- i've been trying to keep firing the questions into uh, um, the, uh spe- stream stream speaking, yard here, of but I firing, speaking of firing i'm firing b kurt because of this comment yeah. what is wrong with you who does like it, it was do a you watch was... football no, this was a joke, Eric. He he oh. spelt it foul like the oh. bird. Yeah, he's getting Sorry. he's getting fired for the dad joke. All right, which one did you want to ask? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some of the comments because there's been a shitload of comments and I've been uh, ignoring everybody. So I uh, so I apologize. Uh, bone in or chicken is... nuggets? It's bone in. If you I don't, just... I'm not anti chicken tenders, but it bone in is better for football. Uh, totally, totally agree. There's something about the manliness of the bone being uh, on the inside of it that it just, it, it, uh, it makes the, it makes exactly, it makes the experience a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, I, I, we, you did mention this one. That one was very good on the, on the Kareem hunt. Um, yeah. Cobra Kai is still on the Trey Lance train. Never, never been cheaper. If I get a zero, so be it. Well, he hasn't been cheaper yet, but when he's no longer in the NFL next year, I promise you he will be <laughs> he will be uh, cheaper. Lion asked if Newt goes to Tennessee, does a Tennessee QB become worth drafting and stacking? If so, which one? Yes, and Ryan Tannehill for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that tells you their intentions at that point. Y- yes, 100%. Like, yeah. It's time to... if like I'm not, I'm not saying... Um, you have to draft Derrick Henry because of this, but let's say your take was, oh my God, the Titans are an unserious team. It's going to be Will Levis and Ty J Spears at the end of the season. I think this would dictate that they're going to try to play, play this season out to uh, win. Spinach and artichoke dip is definitely fair. And, and I totally agree, dude, any form, like just any form of cheese. Like uh, I mentioned the, the chips and dip and stuff at the, like put out a, plate of cheese and crackers and uh you know or charcuterie board or any of that kind of stuff i won't i won't walk away i'm always i'm that guy that's full before the meal at the family get-togethers all the time because everybody puts out all the uh all the uh snacks all right next question i'm gonna hit this one from david in the chat real quick says i'm a small stakes best ball player and really enjoy these streams if i had to pick one month to utilize premium Sub, which month would you suggest? July or August? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Very good. Well, I guess that depends on your draft volume because the best part of the tool is like being able to dissect your teams and see your percentages and everything as you're drafting your team. So theoretically, it's August, right? But 
if you're going to do the majority of your drafting in July, it's actually July. Correct. So it depends when you're going to be doing the majority of your drafts because you want to you want to be able to see what teams you're building, what percentages you're using, and stuff like that. Other other thing um, that we do is, and if you've already signed up for drafters, then this is uh, null and void. But <clears throat> you can get a free month of access to the tool by there is a link in the description as well. Sign up for drafters using promo code spike or using our link and you can get a free month to test out the tool that's kind of what people ask for like free trials and stuff and um we don't do that but we do do if you deposit somewhere you can you can get free access and then you could use it in both july and august right you like it in july with your free month uh and then just spend your 40 dollars on on august but i agree i think it's mostly just when you are uh gonna draft the most volume so that's definitely going to be different for each person um there wasn't there there was another really good question that i'm trying to find here there's way too many questions in the discord for me to keep up with okay i'll 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 type it in here in just a second but moxie our guy moxie asks who are the three quarterbacks each of you plan on fading the most on underdog Mm -hmm. at their at their current cost okay i can give you two and i have to kind of think oh actually i kind of know the other one and one of them I'm really double thinking, but right now it's Josh Allen. I think I've talked about that before already that I'm, I'm roughly fading Josh Allen for the most part. Um, it's been Justin Herbert quite a bit lately. Um, is that is the one I'm second guessing right now. I'm mm. debating on, I'm starting to walk back Justin Herbert a little bit. And the other one is kind of unintentional because it's just based on my builds, but I know I'm not drafting a lot of Anthony Richardson. So those those are the three that I have not been drafting uh, quite frequently. Some are on purpose, Josh Allen. Some are kind of unintentional and it's Anthony Richardson and Herbert is like this weird, I need to make, I need to establish what I really want to do with him. Herbert is the same for me who I have maybe only taken a couple times, but it's, it wasn't like a planned fade. It's just kind of how things have worked out. And so to your point, he would be the answer of who I have kind of been fading, but unintentionally. And so I, it's actually one of those, I, like you said, I want to go readdress and say, is this intentional? This is what happened. This is what is another great thing about the tools is you can go back and see not just the exposure. You can see like, okay, I'm not taking him. Who the fuck am I? I got to be overweight. Some other people in this range. Was that intentional? Um, Mine is there's really just one Anthony Richardson has been a guy, but he is continuing to fall. And there's a little pocket kind of where Daniel Jones and Gino and some of those Tua Dak, some of those guys go and he's, he's gotten to that tier now where I actually kind of like hate, everybody that goes there you get past that bateman zay flowers tier of wide receiver and you're not quite to the penny damian harris you know etc not even quite to p ryan or dylan or whoever and so there's that little pocket of quarterbacks i'm really starting to like and he's about to get to that spot so i think i may end up taking him some but richardson is a good one i really just have one guy that i'm just like completely and utterly outright fading and it's aaron Rodgers. um I don't really have anything negative to say about him as like a football player. And I am excited for the jets with him there, but it's because of what he does for the skill players. It's not because of uh, his fantasy production. He has outside of the one year, he threw 50 fucking touchdowns. He really hasn't been a very good fantasy quarterback. 
certainly at his age, he's not running anymore. He plays a really slow offense. He doesn't take a lot of risks. Um, and they're going to run the ball quite a bit. And sleeps so the, sleeps for four days in the dark. <laughs> exactly. Dark house. So uh, I, yeah. I don't really have three. Uh, so I'm kind of cheating, but I, I have not drafted Aaron Rodgers, and I don't intend on draft. You know, things happen. You auto pick or whatever, but I don't intend on taking any any Aaron Rodgers. All right, we got a. Uh, I'm trying not to run us too long because uh, I think Rob's still got. Uh, if you'd correct me, if you don't have uh, some ghost stuff to do after this, but we got a handful more if we can hit in the next five or ten minutes. Yeah, we can do five or ten minutes, and we also, if we can get out of here, I can record for five minutes for our next bulldog oh yeah yeah all right let's we got a couple more questions if i did not if i we did not hit your question here this won't be the last one of these that we do and we'll make sure to double back and hit these i promise um this was a basically a question in a in the form of a statement but can you guys discuss your least used macro strategy and why it is your least used and then kind of you know argue against yourself if you maybe you should give that more of a shot my least used macro strategy has undoubtedly been uh it actually not like a robust running back but it has been what we would call a dual running back start meaning um two, you know two running backs in the first three or four rounds uh because if i'm gonna do that I would, I end up with rather leaning into the robust type of start and like, just give me Christian McCaffrey and Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson. And then like, I'm done at running back. I feel like you're, I'm sort of middling, middling the more optimal structures, optimal being uh, the more extreme zero running back hero running back and robust running back. And when I take two of them, um, I generally feel like I said, I'm, I'm kind of middling the, the optimal strategies. So it's actually kind of a, you know, let's say Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, DK Metcalf start. Like I, I don't, I don't like that start personally, but the counter and the arguing against myself would be, you know, down to that, say Ramondre spot in the draft. Those are a lot of really appealing elite running backs. And if you start with two of them, you can still get a, a kind of an anchor wide receiver. Um, you know, you start Justin Jefferson and then double tap, uh, running back at that turn right there, but I've been I just been leaning into other other strategies there, but I don't I don't think it's not viable. It's just it's kind of like the Rob point about the triple headed backfields. I only got so many bullets, and there's so many different things I'm trying to do that um, it's the one I'm going to do the least. Uh, mine, real quick, we we hit on it a little bit earlier. I haven't been doing as much elite tight end as I want to do. And that's something that I'm looking at changing. And it's pretty easy. The, the The reasoning is simple. We've seen it the last two years. Mark Andrews, two years ago, you needed him. We didn't need him. I mean, obviously, you could have got to the finals like you did without him. But look at his advance rate in, the, in those rounds to get you to that point. He was like 70% or something like that. And then George Kittle did it last year for two straight rounds and actually brought you to the finals. So the elite tight ends just have like this upside that the bottom tiers just don't even – come close to matching. I think the quarterbacks are like that on a little bit lesser of a scale. I'm kind of anti the take that quarterbacks are overly flat, especially depending on the scoring system. But for tight ends, especially dude, Pitts, Kittle, Kelsey, any of these dudes go off and you're, you're buried. You were, you're absolutely buried. And then you do need the KJ Hamler, two touchdown game you're the only guy that has them situation in order to advance so 
um, I think I need to start adjusting my elite tight end stance. I like it. Two more, and they are more on the kind of personal fun slash work side of things. You mentioned this kind of at the top. Josh asks, what does a typical day look like for Eric and Rob? <laughs> How do you get anything done on top of Discord banter all day? And do you breathe? And I can answer this one first. And I'll actually start with the Discord, Discord part of it. Um, for me personally, I'm extremely active in the Discord. And uh, we actually had a funny conversation this morning where uh, a particular individual probably doesn't like that I'm as active as I am in, in the Discord. But I, I believe strongly in in being active in there and being a part and talking with you guys. And like from day one, since we started this whole thing, I'm in there every day. If you want to ask me a question, if you just want to get my advice, if you want to tell me I'm a fucking idiot for one of my takes, I'm here to listen to it all. Um, I think it's, it's the most beneficial. I've been a part of many, many online communities across multiple, mostly fantasy related, but uh, a lot of the times it's just people talking past each other and and maybe the people that started it aren't even in there and um a lot of times it doesn't work that well and so i do kind of take a pride in in being in the discord but to your point that does take up time it, it definitely does take up time and the typical i wouldn't even say that i have a typical day every day can be kind of crazy um i i'm trying my best i'm not always very good at this uh pulling myself away from the screens and getting out and you know i definitely you know i'm out with the dogs taking the dogs for a walk a lot um but just trying to have that work-life balance during this summer is is difficult because rob kind of mentioned it before i mean all day is content customer support um random shit that pops up uh right obviously writing articles recording streams editing stuff uh doing seo (laughs) doing just like it's kind of you have to wear a lot of hats. And so um, there is really no typical, no typical day. There's a never ending to do list. And I try to be as productive as, as I can, but also making it a priority to be in the discord and be available because I don't think um, I don't think it would be very fair to me to say, Oh, subscribe to me and come join my community. And then I'm never fucking there for you to like ever talk with, or you never get to hear my opinions other than when I'm like speaking to you through this, this, internet machine um but you know we've talked about this a little bit to wrap i it it, i'm not trying to you know complain about my job i have like the best job in the world but for certain parts of the season you know may to september it is it is kind of crazy because you 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 can never get everything done because this is there's like four months of best ball season and then it's kind of much tamer and so it is. It, it can be a little bit difficult to get everything done and still like uh, uh, keep your work life balance. That that's actually been my my biggest struggle. So uh, I breathe somewhat to answer your question. You forgot adding. You forgot to add in getting yelled at by me at least two times a day because I because I, I, I need you yelled at me. I think you yelled at me literally <laughs> right before we got we got on here. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I wish I was more active in the Discord to be completely honest. But if you guys want like an inside snapshot of what I'm doing every day. It's, and we've brought people in shout out to Trev, Silas, um, B Kurt and Jesse to help. And even with that help, there is a lot to do. So it's, it's all the spike week stuff. I take care of, you know, if I'm not creating it, I'm posting it. I'm setting it up. I'm, I'm, my hands are on everything we do in some form or fashion. Right. Um, 
I also do some stuff for Roto Grinders, scores and odds at sometimes. I'm doing stuff for everybody. I'm helping create their shorts and all that stuff and producing shows. You might see me pop up occasionally when I'm producing a baseball stream or an MMA stream or something like that. I also have hometown ghost stories and we get thrown curveballs as well. So for instance, yeah, we had we had plans this week, right? We talked to Chris Jericho last week, and Chris Jericho was like can we record something on Jack the Ripper next Wednesday? So everything had to get thrown out the door and we're doing a whole Jack the Ripper thing. It's that's not a complaint. These aren't complaints. It's right. just, yeah, we're constantly on the go. We're constantly doing stuff. And I've, I've had some funny videos that I didn't get to, that I wanted to make that I haven't gotten a chance to make yet. Like I, I just haven't had time because I have to get all these other stuff done for spike week. Plus we're doing the streams. Plus we're doing this on quality control on other stuff. And like, you know, like it's, it's, non-stop it's all day every day and by the way i used to work 60 hours a week doing all this too <laughs> yeah, i right. i took i i'm on like a little bit of a hiatus just for for some mental health reasons um from that for a few months but even taking that time off i'm still doing stuff like all day every day just because hey i enjoy it it does it does yeah. help mentally because i enjoy it but i would love to be more active in the discord it's just right now if you guys don't see me in there it's nothing personal it's i'm probably editing a video or working on something for spike week so don't if you tag me though i do respond i do respond to tags and emails and 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 i i try to keep my notifications off that's why rob uh, has to bug me multiple times because when i i'm very i can be very distracted very easily and then like i'll be writing an article and then someone pings me and the next thing you know i'm off of it for multiple multiple hours. The only other thing to add to this, and then we'll get to our final question was the other thing that you kind of mentioned before is we also are trying to draft hundreds or yeah. thousands <laughs> of best ball teams. You know, it's like, I, again, these are not complaints. This is, this is like the epitome of first world problems. I love, yep. I love all of this, but to that point from May to September is like, it is, it is kind of, kind of crazy. And also, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Robbie is my that. secretary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first person to have his burner have the same name as uh, as them. Very, very tricky move there. But uh, yeah, that's why, like you said, we're trying to constantly draft and stuff, too. And, you know, do the rankings and do the content and do and do all of that. So it's fu- it's fun, but it is a little kind of crazier, I think, than than uh, some people might expect. Last one, very, very similarly related. And you kind of hit on it already. What is your full-time job and how does it translate into your spike week role and best ball? It was kind of put these two together because they're kind of the same question, one uh, A and and one B. So my full-time job is basically this: I'm employed. Spike week is a a product of a company called Better Collective. So I work for Better Collective. I started as an employee. Oh God. Many years ago now for Roto Grinders, for anybody that plays DFS, Better Collective bought Roto Grinders. Um, we are now part of this massive, the biggest affiliate gaming company in the United States and in the world. Um, at, you know, we own Action Network, we own Vegas Insider, we own Scores and Odds. Uh, I was the project manager for Scores and Odds back in the day and a project manager for Roto Grinders. And then um, I kind of pitched this idea on, on a, a best ball uh, site and they just said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Go do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Uh, I don't know what I just got myself into. So now I run this, but I do still do Roto Grinders work. If you play NFL DFS, uh, every Sunday morning at uh, 1130 AM Eastern, 
I host a DFS show during the NFL season, and then I do stuff for scores and odds for sports betting. So to your point, my full-time job is basically spike week, but I do still do some other stuff within the fantasy and sports betting space at at our company. So it all translates together, um, but there is a, it's not 100% uh, best ball for me. I know Rob's a little bit different. Yeah, I work in a, um, a data center doing stuff there, which is very boring. But the way it, trans- <laughs> the way it translates is uh, when I don't win Best Ball Mania or the $10 DK Millie, I'm going in, I'm, set- I'm setting fire to all the servers and nobody's getting paid. So, <laughs> Oh, that was the question. We're going to wrap on this one because it, it, it was your perfect one. If you win Best Ball Mania 4. That was the final question. I apologize to whoever asked. I do actually want to. I think it was FYC Blur. Yeah, FYC Blur. If you win Best Ball Mania 4, what are you doing? Um, Probably moving. But in terms, <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but in terms of what I'm like doing for like work and stuff, I'm still going to talk about football and I'm still going to talk about ghosts. To be perfectly honest, like it, I enjoy it thoroughly. It will allow me more flexibility to do both of those. And um, if you guys really want to know, for some reason, I don't think anyone cares, but I want to start a ghost tour company. So like that's something I want to do. And um, I'm starting to look into how to do that locally and maybe expand upon it. That is, I actually didn't even know that. And that is amazing. I would, uh, I would still do, stuff that we do here, but all of the stuff that takes up my time, I would do shows mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe write a little bit, but I would pay, I would hire people yes. to do all, all of the, oh, the yeah. uh, other, yeah. all of the stuff that actually takes up all my time. That's not just sitting in front of my computer, talking to you guys and doing the fun part. The streams are the fun and easy part. The rest mm-hmm. of it is the, uh, the kind of monotonous part. I would bring people in to do that. So I could do the, the fun parts of best ball and of course still draft them um i would definitely do some kind of side projects i am very into uh like rob is into ghosts i am very into like the whole true crime documentary kind of a similar uh hobby to to what rob has if there is a true crime documentary on any streaming service i've probably seen it um i started re-watching a couple literally today in the background while i was working uh so i have some ideas of some different little like passion projects i would like to do with that and then i am of course a diehard animal fan and like my dream. I don't think three mil, I don't think three milli is going to get me there, but uh, it could start down the way. Maybe I could bring some other people in some other rich folk in. And I really like my dream would be to just like own an animal rescue and, uh, and uh, run that every single day. Uh, So do a best ball stream, do a best ball stream in the evening and go get to hang out with uh, and save animal lives during the day would be my, uh, that's, that's the dream. So, uh, you guys can all let me win so that I can do some actual good as opposed to uh, shit posting about running backs on Twitter uh, <laughs> all the time. But uh, I, I know Rob's got to go. We got to go because we got to go make some picks in our bulldog mm-hmm. draft yep. that we, uh, we are in the middle of. Myself, Silas, Rob, and Trev about to make round seven and eight, hopefully, selection. So be on the lookout for that video. I also just want to plug that series really quick before we get out because it's awesome we're through six rounds of a bulldog it's a 500 draft on underdog it's a slow draft and we're recording like our conversation and strategy around every single pick that we make throughout the entire draft going to try to do a couple more high stakes uh series 
like that. But thank you guys for hanging out with us. Went a little longer than we expected, but it was actually a ton of fun. We'll try to get maybe one or two more of these in over the course of the summer so you guys don't have to just watch us draft and watch us talk about, you know, Sam fucking Howell uh, for, for, for two. For, for MVS, two, for two. Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, we'll be back uh, probably tomorrow sometime very very soon with uh that next video and of course more streams thursday legendary sickos is back with me and Karain, so we'll see you guys very soon peace peace Ooh, those were some spicy takes want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're gonna have over here at spike week why don't you press that subscribe button below you turn notifications on we draft a team boom you know about it we have another spicy take. Boom. You know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right. We'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.